Hello, 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 everybody. I am Patrick Green here with you today on the third episode of the Reinvented Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. We have a very exciting episode for you. I'm pumped. Sandy Leon just hit a go-ahead uh, single to you know lead the Red Sox to an exciting victory, their 20th of the year. Um, joining me, as always, I have Dave Latham, uh, who is our co-host and writer of Red Sox Unfiltered. Dave, say hello to all the people. Hello to all the people. Happy Sandy Leone Day, everybody. We knew it was coming. It's like the equivalent to uh, Chris Sale Day at this point. I'm, I'm very happy that Sandy Leone gets his due. Um, but we also have another exciting person joining us today. We have never done three people before, but you know what we are doing today? We have Jordan DeCow. That's how you pronounce it, right? DeCow? Or am I butchering that? Uh, Dicko. DeCow. DeCow, okay. DeCow. DeCow. See, I've been yeah. butchering Dave's name for like the last two weeks, and I just learned I was doing it wrong. So, you know, now that we got uh, it out of the way. Uh, no. I will never yeah, do it no, again. It's a common thing. It's a common <laughs> thing. It's just like, and then like people tell me that it's just like, no, this is how you how you pronounce it. Like, no, I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So yeah, so the Rays Red Sox series did not go as expected, um, but it had a nice ending. Uh, we lost the first two. The first game was four to three. The second game was twelve to six. But you know, we got one back—a four to three victory in today's game. What do you guys think of this series? I'll start with you, Dave. All right. Well, obviously the first two weren't that great. It's the freaking Rays. They're supposed to be terrible, and anytime you lose a series and almost lose the last one. You can't be all that happy, but at the same point, we got 20 wins, and it's already, it's like the end of April now, and boy, today's a game, like, just from an entertainment standpoint, that was fun. So, you know, I'm in a pretty good mood right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled. That, that, was, a, that was an awesome game. What, what about you, Jordan? What are you thinking about it? I mean, it, it was just like, yeah, like, uh, like Dave said, it was an exciting game of baseball. Unfortunately, we didn't win the series. Um, the home runs still continue to be a problem, but, I mean, uh, Rick Porcello came through, and then uh, Craig Himmel slammed the door with a uh, two-inning save, so it was an exciting game of baseball, good, uh, it's a good one-run, one-run run. Yeah, nice one-run win, uh, definitely got back right. from the Friday game, so yeah, very excited about that, um, yeah, we took the two, we uh, we didn't take the two, we lost two out of three, so we're going to start our first um actual topic of the day and that will be drew pomerantz so he made his second start of the year on friday correct that he did that friday yes um and he he did not look too hot so on the year he is a 727 era a 652 fip and eight and two thirds innings he's walked guys at a 415 walk per nine and he's allowed 3.12 home runs per nine uh dave what have you seen from him so far that you want to comment on so so far he's been well there's really no way around it let's call him like we see him he's been straight awful but i really do believe that he's going to find a way out of this and this just becomes from what i've seen from him last year if you remember last year most of the season he was basically the number two guy on the roster but he started off horribly i actually did some research for this uh podcast so um you're prepared last year through his first seven starts yeah i know right um first seven starts he had an era of 529 fip of 478 and he'd given up seven homers but after that seventh start the rest of the way he had a 285 era 367 fip and only gave up 12 home runs and I want to say it was something like almost 20 starts somewhere in that ballpark. So I'm hoping this is just a slow start. He missed 
basically all of spring training with his injury, so hoping he just needs some time to get back to find himself. Oh, yeah, those were some good statistics there. I, I, I remember Pomeranz struggling a bit in the beginning of the year, but I feel like just like that 285 ERA after the seventh start just kind of like made everyone forget. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool nugget there. Good good job. I'm proud of you. Uh, Jordan, what what have you seen from Pomeranz? I mean, I saw I think I saw his uh, return slash debut off the DL, and then he gave up three three runs, and then the offense came back and helped him out. I think that was like a seven three victory against the A's. Um, I mean, like I said, I, it's like the beginning of the season. I I uh, I haven't seen much of Pomeranz honestly, but um, uh, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a rough start. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely been a rough start. And I actually have some uh, additional statistics that I would like to share with you guys and the rest of the listeners. So in his first start of the season, it was against the A's. You, you were at that game, right, Jordan? Weren't you there? Yeah, I was. Oh, my gosh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, Jordan's a West Coast uh, kid, right? You were from California Bay Area? Yeah, San Francisco Bay Area. And then I'm moving out to uh, the Boston area in August, so it'll be fun. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, so we got uh, two New Englanders kind of soon on this podcast. Um, yeah, but anyway, so against the A's in that start, he posted a hard contact percentage, which is uh, this stat's courtesy of Fangraphs, which was 60% of all balls put in play were classified as hard, which is not good. It was the highest percentage of hard contact he had allowed in a start in over a year, actually over like two years. In fact, he made only one start in his entire career that featured a higher hard percentage, and that was against the Toronto Blue Jays on July 23rd, 2015, and he lasted just one and two-thirds innings with that 66.7 hard percentage. Um, And in his second start against the Tampa Bay Rays on Friday, he posted a soft contact percentage of 0%. So, like, I want to contextualize that for you guys. So, of all the balls put in play against Pomerantz, zero were soft. Does that, what does that say to you guys? Like, what are you thinking right now? He's thinking that's physically impossible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I think you guys had the same reaction. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, you're you're not fooling anyone with that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not good, and the velocity's down. <laughs> Curveball usage is historically low, and we know that he loves that knuckle curve. So that's uh, that's yeah. That's, if he doesn't have his knuckle curve curve working, he really doesn't. That's his best pitch by far. If he doesn't have that, he's a lot more predictable. He's a lot easier to hit. What do you think it is with this curveball? Like, is it just not as effective? If he's, is he just more afraid, or the pitch is not working as well together? What do you think it is, Dave? Um, I, frankly, I don't really know. I've, um, I watched the Oakland start. I only caught a bit of the Rays one, but from what I've seen and from what I've read, it just sounds like, um, most of what, most of what's going on with Palm is he's just not trusting it. And obviously he's losing velocity on everything. So he's probably not 100% because even when he's just throwing fastballs, they're not going, they're not being very fast. You know what I mean? <laughs> like basically he's throwing change up as, as his fastball. So something's up with his arm, I think. Uh, it's probably minor because, you know, he came back from his rehab starts, and I'd imagine over time this is one of those things that's just going to fix itself because Core has taken a very cautious route with all of his players, and I, I feel like if it was anything that was even remotely worrisome, he wouldn't be back right now. 
So I, I really do think Time's just going to fix this issue. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he'd be on the 60-day DL so far. No, I'm just kidding, 10-day DL. But yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jordan, what do you think about Pomeranz's pitch usage to this point? Is it, is it concerning that he's shying away from the curveball and the fact that it simply has not been as effective? Well, yeah, I mean, um, I agree with Dave. If he's if, if Pomeranz likes his curveball um, and he's not fooling anybody with it, uh, he could be still, um, I guess, playing with an, with, a, with an injury that he's just like he's not telling his staff about, which hurts the team very much. Um, I'm actually looking at uh, some some stats myself from BrooksBaseball.com. I mean, like he's throwing a like a high like 89 uh, mile an hour fastball, and then you know he's 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 sitting in like the high high 80s, like yeah, high 80s in his in his uh, first start. Uh, this year on like April 18th, I think. Um, so, I mean, he's not, he's not doing well. He's not, um, I guess, I don't know if this is a pun, but like up to speed to, um, to like some major league level, I think. I, I think it could be a pun. I mean, I thought you did a good job, but I'm, I, I'm yeah, also- well, no, see, I was, I was trying super hard with that one. I was like up to speed. Can I use this one? <laughs> <laughs> I think it landed. I think uh, you did a good job. But I'm also very proud that you were looking at Brooks Baseball. I, I love that site. I, I'm, I'm quite impressed. So so good job there. Yeah, Brooks Baseball's got everything you'd ever want to know about pitchers' tendencies. So that was a plug for Brooks Baseball that didn't need to happen, but, you know, we just made it happen. So moving away from our boy Palm, we're going to talk about the Red Sox rotation. You, you guys ready for this? Oh, yeah. Oh, let's do it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> over the past seven days, this does not count today because I looked up these stats before the game. Um, and they're not updated for like a day on fan graphs. But before today's game, uh, in the last week, the Red Sox have surrendered 2.03 home runs per nine, which is the second most in the majors. That trails only the Twins. But, but the Twins have allowed 2.79 home runs per nine. So, it could be worse. Um, and this actually goes to the point of the home runs, Jordan, that you were mentioning that this team has surrendered. The Rays actually, I think, hit eight in the series against the Red Sox. They had three off Palm on Friday. They had four in the Slugfest on Saturday. And then, Den- and then Denard Span, he was the guy who hit the home run today, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they. Eight total. So I'm going to start with you now, Jordan. I'm going to switch it up for you know for fun purposes, for creativity. Jordan, what do you think about this? Uh, these Red Sox pitchers getting blasted by the long ball. I, I mean, I think we've um, we've like so far with this like with this good, great, honestly, uh, three week stretch of baseball, we've become invincible, and then we run into a team like well, not even run into a team. We get no hit by the A's, and then ever since then. We haven't been able to like uh, put up the same same amount of offense, and then you know Price gives up a home run on the uh, I think the I guess series like the third game against the A's to like to lose, and then you saw Price I think it was Wednesday um, just give up what, like four home runs in the game, and it's just like I I think. I think we're gonna we're kind of running into like a couple hot teams, and it's getting dangerous because the Yankees are uh, are climbing back into. Uh, I mean, rel- I'm, I'm not to say relevancy, but yeah, no, they're getting hot. Um, so I mean, both like the timing between 
the uh, the pitch like our pitching staff is giving up the long ball um, like no other, and the Yankees coming back with the with a now like eight game winning streak. It's uh, it's not timely. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally hear you, Dave. Dave what are you thinking about this? Uh, I'm sort of on the other side of the fence here. I think the uh, home run situation is a little overblown. I mean, obviously it's not ideal, but if you look at just about every other statistic we have for our starters, um, everything's looking pretty good outside of Pomerantz, which we already talked about. So, I mean, if you look at it, right now we have Porcello, who's only given one home run up all year long. We have Sale, who's Chris Sale. He hasn't looked his best, but he's going to get, he's going to get better and he's going to keep on being one of the top pitchers in the league. Um, last week we talked about David Price, you and I, Patrick, and how he was probably due for some regression that happened to this last week. He didn't have uh, the best outing, but I still think moving forward, he's going to be one of the best number three pitchers in baseball. Eddie Rodriguez looks like he's found it and I'm incredibly high on him. I think he's going to keep it up basically for the whole season. I've been waiting for this since 2015. So I really do think that the starting pitching isn't anything to worry about. Obviously, you want to keep balls in the park, but at the same point, we're also only in April. So those days, those games where, um, like this past week, Palm gave up three homers, Price gave up four, that skews the data a lot more than it would if we were, like, in July or something. You know, we've had a few really ugly starts with the long ball, but... Overall, I wouldn't worry about it that much. No, yeah, yeah, I also agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm not a yes man, I promise. But um, yeah, the Red Sox rotation <laughs> has been scuffling. I think we did mention that, but it's a seven-game sample. They've had a 521 ERA and 573 FIP in addition to those lofty numbers. But again, it's a week, and you're saying, yeah, Price is bad start. Pomeranz is bad start. They're all skewing that data. Like Rick Porcello had a very nice start today. He went seven and two-thirds innings, gave up three runs, uh, and which one of one of which was should be like two earned runs because Eduardo Nunez is like a little league infielder. Um, but yeah, I I don't think there's anything particularly to be worried about, as you mentioned with Sale and Priscilla. Dudes, dudes are a beast. Um, I think Erod has shown very promising flashes to begin the year. Uh, Pomeranz is a little concerning in the early going. We'll see what happens with him. And you and I, we talked about David Price. I have my concerns, but I still think David Price is a solid middle of the rotation guy. So I don't think we should be too concerned there. So yeah, it's interesting with the rotation. Um, so Jordan, are you concerned at all with the rotation? Um, I mean, I mean, no, because I, like I say that the home runs are uh, are a bit worrisome, but I mean, at the same time, it is like the first month of the season. Um, I think we're just kind of hitting uh, like a period of time where the team's kind of coming back to earth, uh, coming back down to earth after being super hot. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, we we ran into a, a hot race a hot latest team, which is hard to believe. And then, um, I mean, hopefully we'll bounce back against Kansas city. So again, it's, it's the end of the, it's end of the month, uh, the first month. And I mean, I, yeah, I think it's just a too small of a sample size. Like you guys said. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I think it's very encouraging. Uh, you alluded to the upcoming series against the Kansas City Royals. I think uh, three games against them, who are I think are uh, considerably worse than the Tampa Bay Rays, hopefully will push us in the right track and give us some momentum going forward because the Royals are just, uh, they're, they're not a good baseball team. Uh, uh, they might even beat the... Dumpster fire. Yeah, d- dumpster fire oh, yeah. would be a better word. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a technical Let's term, be honest. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody on Kansas City is listening to this. We can be mean to them, and they won't. We won't hurt their feelings. <laughs> See, now this is where I was. This is like now this is bad because I was. I have to announce to you guys that Mike Mustakis is joining the show next week as our first guest. Oh shit! Sorry, guys, we God. love you. <laughs> well, <laughs> damn. Just kidding. It's going to be Sandy Leon. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to pivot away from that. Mike Mustakis and Sandy Leon aren't really going to come on the show, unfortunately. Although we, we would, we I think we would both be honored. Oh, all of us would be honored. Man, we might get extra listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe one day. Uh, that That's like a summer goal. We're going to try to get Sandy Leone or Mike Moustakis on the show, and I will not stop until we do. How about that? There you go. All right, sounds... I can live with <laughs> sounds that. Like a, sounds like a campaign promise. I like it. I yeah, like it. it's a campaign promise. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna pivot away here for a second. Um, we're gonna be talking about the news that came over the week that a. Yawkey Way is going to be renamed Jersey Street. So, Dave, you had a very compelling and wonderful post on the site RedSoxUnfiltered.com about this very thing. Uh, would you like to share your opinions about this move with the masses? All right. So, get ready, everyone. We're going. We're going down that stretch of the highway. So, um, the. The city of Boston did announce that uh, Yaki Way is going to go back to its original Jersey Street, and I am in the camp that, you know, that is a long, long overdue change. Um, the biggest voices that I hear against it are people saying that, you know, you shouldn't erase history. Um, you know, if you erase history, people eventually forget it and never learn anything from it. And that is a good point. You don't want to erase history, but this isn't really a move to erase history. If you, like, you know, take a tour of, you know, the Red Sox history or whatever, there's still going to be the Tom Yonke era. That's no one's taking his name out of history books. His name's still going to be on the Dana-Farber building. He donated a lot of money to them. They built a building in, with that money. That's not changing. So it's not like the city of Boston is going to forget Tom Yonke. It's not like, Red, like Tom Yonke's not going to still be associated with the Red Sox, for better or worse. He's going to still be there. Basically, what the way I view it is with the naming of Yaki Way, that's celebrating a, the memory of a man. Um, so the question to me becomes, is this a man that deserves to be celebrated? And by my money, that answer is absolutely not. So everyone is just about familiar with Tom Yaki's, um controversial past with uh, the racism and the uh, Donald Fitzpatrick situation. So... <clears throat> As far as the racism thing goes, a lot of people say, yes, he was culturally insensitive, but that's just a product of the time. It doesn't really, he wasn't anything worse than what anyone else was, and you shouldn't blame a man for, you know, um, basically just being a product of the time. He didn't know any better is what the argument is. And I counter that severely. Um, if you go to um, Jackie Robinson himself said, it's a um, quote I found from an excerpt in a book. It's called Shut Out, A Story of Race and Baseball in Boston. And um, Jackie Robinson himself said that Tom Yaki was one of the most bigoted men in baseball. And if you stop and think about everything Jackie Robinson had to deal with over his career, just how awful was Yaki that, you know, he stood out. And really all of Yaki's actions backed up that accusation. The Red Sox were the last team to integrate um, into baseball. It 
Jackie Robinson had been retired for two years before the Red Sox added a black player to the major league roster. We had we uh, tried out Willie Mays, Jackie Robinson, didn't sign either. And if you're a coach and you see those two come in, you want to sign those guys. They're two of the greatest players ever. And according to multiple sources, um, it came from ownership not to sign those two. So the race thing was is a really big thing for me. He's... um not just a product of the time, even by his time standards, he was a bad person. And then there's the Donald Fitzpatrick thing. So people who say, you know, well, yeah, he was bad in the 50s, but he kind of grew out of it, you know. He reportedly had a great relationship with Louis Piant. Yeah, so maybe the racism things don't go on into the 70s, but there's also the time that he completely uh, protected a pedophile to save some PR moves. Um, the Donald Fitzpatrick situation, he was first alleged, Donald Fitzpatrick this is, was first alleged of uh, sexually abusing minors at the Red Sox clubhouse down in Florida in 1971. Yaki died in 1977. He was still running the team back then. And um, apparently, and I'm getting this from uh, the Post game. It's an article, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was from 2011. So he, the first allegations came out in 1971 that Donald Fitzpatrick was uh sexually abusing minors that either worked that either worked as like cat boys or were just hanging around the stadium and he'd invite them for locker room tours or something. Regardless, it, it was very bad and according to the source on there, um, several of the witnesses went either to the coaches, to the clubhouse or some of the, or to the owners themselves. If Yaki didn't know about this, He's entirely ignorant of the whole thing, and he has no right even owning a ball club to begin with. There's no way he didn't know. And just for a PR move alone, he completely just blocked it out. Let Fitzpatrick keep working there. Fitzpatrick worked there till the 90s. Obviously, Yaki died in 1977, so it's not all on him. But the accusation started in 71, so Yaki definitely knew something was up and chose to do nothing about it. To me, that's not a guy you should be celebrating. So... You know, goodbye and good riddance to Yaki Way. That that was wonderful. You 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 did you did great. Um, yeah, you you said most of that in your article too. It was very illuminating to me because I didn't really know a lot about the situation. Like, I mean, I've heard obviously about it because people have been talking about it for for months, years now. But yeah, there I didn't know about the Fitzpatrick situation. Uh, it was it was it was bewildering to me. So I do agree a hundred percent with everything you said, but it is a very contentious issue right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to give the uh, microphone to Jordan. I mean, not like physically giving the microphone, but you know, you, you have the floor. What, <laughs> what do you think about yeah. this? The metaphorical right. microphone. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just another way of um, trying to put the, I mean, I don't want to say put the past behind us because like Dave said, um, you don't want to like erase history and then not learn from it. Um, I like, I, 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 yeah, I think, I think Tanyaki and racism, that's just like, there's, I think there's, it's kind of, it's still like a murky issue and we're several decades from, I guess, slavery and racism being, um, abolished. Uh, so, I mean, I agree, I agree with Dave at the end of the day. I don't think, um, celebrating a guy who was openly racist towards his players and, you know, was just like, op- like, an op- like ha- openly racist and had his racist idea of the guy to be celebrated. So, um, I mean, I, I think, it, I think it's a good move on Boston's part. I know they wanted to get rid of it. And then like the businesses around 
uh, or on Yaki later wanting to get rid of it. So, I mean, I think it's a good move uh, to step forward, but I think there's still a long way to go towards kind of reaching like a, a good, I don't want to say balance, but like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a good start. Yeah. This is what I'm trying to say. Not so, start, but like it's a, it's a good move. Yeah, totally. Um, Zach uh, Sandzone, who also writes for Red Sox Unfiltered, wrote a counter to uh, Dave's piece, and it's also interesting. I'd recommend reading both of them. But when we tweeted out uh, Zach's piece on the Twitter page, someone responded and said, I can write a better article with fewer words. Name it by a champion. So basically the Twitter person was insinuating that we named the street after a champion and not Jersey Street, which is what it was originally called. So, of course, I tweeted out, yes, the Red Sox missed a huge opportunity to name it Farrell Street. Would you guys object to calling <laughs> Yawkey Way or formerly Yawkey Way John Farrell Street? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think after this season, it should be uh, named uh, Alex Cora Street the way that the Red Sox <laughs> I think that would be. Uh, I think that would be more acceptable. But you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on here because I I just wanted to say that I thought that was fun. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're gonna talk about ja- Jackie Bradley Jr.'s continuous struggles. Um, if you have been listening to this podcast or have been following my writing, I am a big advocate of Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, and you know what? It, it's gotten me shit. Um, he is batting 207 uh, with a 293 OBP, 329 slug, 0.2 F WAR, 71 WRC plus. Uh, this was before today's stats, but I think he only got hit by a pitch, so it didn't move the needle that much. Um, yes, it's still early, but his strikeout rate has, which uh, when I wrote an article titled "Leave Jackie Bradley Jr. Alone," his strikeout rate had decreased to like 15%, and it looked like, oh my gosh, like this guy has like improved plate plate discipline, and that's a very good sign. But now it's like back up to his career norms. It's like 20.7, and then I'm just like sitting with like a face palm and I'm just like come on Jackie he's still got a low Babbitt but what do you think Dave about Jackie Bradley Jr.'s continuous offensive struggles so I was in the camp a few weeks ago of leave Jackie Bradley Jr. alone I was there with you but as this drags on and on I'm slowly starting to, to get to the maybe test his market see what you can get there because I'm still saying right now I'm still on the give Jackie time to figure it out train but it's it's waning a little bit. It's been a month now, and he really hasn't had any signs. I mean, in your article, you covered some, like, deep lying down, um, deep stats to kind of boost that, hey, maybe Jackie can turn it around. But as for on-field results, there hasn't really been much of anything at all in this last month In this last month or so. And throughout his whole career, he's just been incredibly streaky. You know, obviously, every baseball player except for, like, Mike Trout goes through highs and lows in a season, but Jackie's lows are just so incredibly low, and his highs are pretty darn high, but it, the difference between good Jackie and bad Jackie is just so drastic that if bad Jackie's here to stay, I mean, how long can you deal with that? Nah, I don't, I don't know how much longer the Red Sox can deal with it. I, I think they, they will, will tough it out, but it's definitely not very fruitful right now. Uh, Jordan, what are you thinking about J- JBJ's struggles? You know, I think um, I've, I've thought about this for a while, um, and I read your article um, on Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, I think it's, I think it's time to move him. Um, uh, I, I really like, I think the way that uh, 
you know, the league's going right now with like a huge offensive trend. Um, I think it's more important. Well, it's becoming more important for um, like all players to like provide like a productive bat. And I mean, right now, Jackie Bradley, Jackie Bradley's hitting like you said, like two oh seven with a uh, with like a night with a nineteen point eight strikeout percentage. Um, so, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna. What what am I trying to say? Um, I mean, I just don't think the offense is there, uh, and and I, I'm just going to try and look up some past some past numbers really quick. But I mean, quite frankly, like I believe me, I like his glove, but uh, at the same time, you need you do need like a um, a, a better bat. Like, I, yeah, he he's only hit above 250 uh, once in his career, and that was in 2016. Um, so it's like how 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 much longer can you stand with the uh, the uh, lack of production coming from Jackie Bradley? Yeah, and I think it's definitely a good point that you raised. Um, his offensive acumen has not really been his bread and butter since he's you know arrived on, with Boston, but he has shown in the past that he has been an above average offensive bat. Twenty sixteen earned him an All Star nod, I think. I right, he was an All Star. Is it? Yeah, he was yeah. an All Star. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, he was an All Star. Yeah, I thought so. Um, that was the twenty sixteen hit streak, which I still don't know how he did. <laughs> I know. Um, that was incredible. I forgot about that. Wow, yeah, that was a nice hit streak there. 2016-2015, um, he was above average offensive bat, uh, looking at the WRC numbers. Um, but he's last year he went down to, like I think it was a 90 WRC+. plus. Didn't really put it together. He was not swinging the stick well. But, like, no Red Sox players were. So we thought it was okay, and it wasn't that bad. Like, his defense was still good. He became, like, a 2-plus win player. But if he's going to hit 71 WRC+, plus, like, that's not good. And do I think he's going to hit 71 WRC plus going forward? No, I don't. I think he has run a really low BABIP right now. Um, his exit velocity numbers are okay. I think he'll be better than what we're currently seeing, but I don't know how much longer the Red Sox can wait. Um, I don't think they trade him right now. I think they're smarter than that just because, you know, his value is low. Um, and, like, what's the return you would get for him? I mean, maybe you could swing for, like, a reliever or a catcher, but um, ultimately that means J.D. Martinez will probably go to the outfield. And I don't know about you guys, but, like, I really just would just not want to see that. Like, J.D. Martinez I playing mean, defensive outfield. Yeah, that's outfield. the other uh, thing you got to consider. J.D. in left is probably costing as many runs as Jackie at the plate. Yeah, no, t- totally. J.D. Martinez is... Uh, He's not looking great uh, out in that defense right now, but you know he had a nice catch in that Blue Jays game, right? Uh, going back on the ball in right field. Did anyone see that? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually yeah. That was the game. Um, I think did Mookie set that one or Jack set that one? Somebody set. I think that Mookie one. went to center that game and Jackie set out. Yes, that's what that's what it was. I knew Mookie was doing something weird. <laughs> that was weird. Mookie never played center field. I was shook. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm still I'm still a believer, but like it, it's starting to fade. So represent me well. You got this. I believe in you, buddy. Um, so now we're gonna talk about Eduardo Nunez and Zui Lin. So basically, Xander Bogarts is back and he is playing shortstop from the Boston Red Sox. Correct. That's awesome. We love Xander Bogarts. He's amazing. All that good stuff. But Eduardo Nunez, like Jackie Bradley Jr., is struggling at the plate. But 
unlike Jackie Bradley Jr., Eduardo Nunez is playing horrendous defense, little league defense. Um, he's banged 239 with a 280 OBP, 386 slug, 77 WRC plus before today, and a 0.0 F war. His defensive numbers, like his DRS and UZR, like his advanced defensive metrics, like aren't as horrible as I expected. But like I think we can all agree that he. He's, he's a really bad second baseman. He's not a good fielder. Um, what do you guys think what the Red Sox should do now that Bogarts is back? Should Zui Lin get more playing time at second, or should they keep putting Eduardo Nunez out there and hope for that magic that he struck in the second half of last year? Dave, you go first. Well, uh, just a full disclaimer when I start my next rampage here, um, when, I, when they first signed Nunez, I was all aboard it. The whole offseason, I was saying, why have we not signed Eduardo Nunez yet? Because he was a pretty late signing in the year, like everybody was. But um, I, was big on, I was big on him. I loved what he brought in 2017. I knew it wasn't going to be that good again, that there was, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of dumb luck that went into that and a lot of just riding a hot streak. But I figured, you know, you know Pedroia is going to be out probably till around Memorial Day. You need a second baseman because I was not buying into Brock Holtz. Zhu Weilin was pretty unestablished. Marrero can't hit. So to me, it seemed like Nunez was the easy choice. He was a good enough bat and a good enough fielder that he could, you know, hold the fort for a few months. And so far, he's proving me horribly, horribly wrong. Um, I am not a fan of what Nunez is bringing to the table right now. Um, I think Lynn has the bigger upside. I, even going into the season, you knew probably Lynn was the better fielder, but I feel like offensively Lynn is better than Nunez right now. And even if he wasn't every game, you see one or two little things Nunez does that you just know Pedroia makes or Lynn probably makes, or at the very least blocks down instead of sends out to the outfield like Nunez does. At this point, I just feel like Lynn, that uh, Lynn's the way to go. I'd uh, run with him because Pedroia is not that far away from coming back so you can afford to run the young guy and hope he doesn't have the regular playing time catch up to him like it does with uh, some guys so go Lynn that basically <laughs> is what I'm saying yeah so Dave um, follow up question on that would you be in favor of trading Nunez seeing what you could get there or just straight up outriding him because his contract's not that expensive um, I'd still keep him as a bench option at the very least until Pedroia came back I mean, you can check to see what he's available for on the trade market, but I can't imagine any team going too crazy for him right now. Just because even when Pedroia does come back, you really can't count on him staying healthy. The guy's, the guy's a legend, but he just has such a long injury history that every game he's out there, he might not be there tomorrow. And he plays, like a, he plays with reckless abandon, which is great for a 20-year-old, but when you're 35 with knee injuries, maybe tone it down a bit, Pedroia. So... <laughs> If he goes down, you know, you really can't count on Holt staying healthy either. You can't count on Nunez staying healthy either. But of those three, one of them should be healthy at a time. And Lynn has no health injuries to speak of. So between those four, you should have at least two healthy at a time. And I really think you kind of need to keep all four for that to happen. Lynn has options. Holt has one left. So even if all four are healthy at the same time, you can still keep all of them. Yeah. So I'd say unless you can actually get something for Nunez, which you probably can't, you might as well just keep them. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Jordan, what's your opinion on the second base conundrum? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe um, I'm with uh, David on this. Um, <laughs> give the way Lynn a chance. Um, I'm just looking at some of the, uh, the defensive numbers of 
of um, Eduardo Nunez. I mean, he has like I think a a negative twenty four, um, like total zone total fielding. So I mean, he's far below average on on fielding. I mean, he's giving up um, like negative seven defensive runs per game. Um, it's it's just like if like um. And this is kind of like why 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 Brock Holt being on the DL kind of sucks. Um, because I mean Brock Holt's like a, a good defender. Zhu Wei Lin is is pretty good. Um, if if Eduardo Nunez can't make it up uh, defensively, then I mean just bring in the uh, the younger guys and see what they can do um, until Detroit gets back. Yeah, I agree with that. But I have a counterpoint. Zhu Wei Lin can't even step on a second base bag to get an out. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> just he kidding. can make it to second base, which is a big step up on Nunez. At least you know, like he can catch a ball. Yeah, I'll take what I can get. At least he was right. physically there, like around the base, and he caught the ball in his glove. Um, yeah, I, I, all joking aside. Hey, oh yeah, here and a point for Lynn. He can walk. Yesterday, Nunez could not say that. <laughs> yeah, that that too. Eduardo Nunez is a. He's enigma at second base. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I think Eduardo Nunez has flashes of offensive potential. Like, I think what he did in the second half was, like, an aberration. What, did he have, like, an OPS of 900? And, like, I, I don't think we should anyone should have reasonably expected Eduardo Nunez to hit as well as he did uh, when he came over from San Francisco last year. But he is still a hopefully there's a decent bat in there because like uh even with the giants and the twins like he was pushing two wins he had decent offensive like he was above average offensive contributor. His defense always sucked but i think it's being amplified by the fact that he's like i feel like his bones are so brittle like he's one like misstep away from just like falling over every time so completely shattering himself yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do wonder how much he actually recovered from that knee injury because i remember in spring training uh he said like you know hey after the knee injury in the playoffs i was never sure if i'd make it all the way back and i'm like well it's been six months since since that did you are you like made of like what are your knees made of buddy <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that too. Like every and time how you go from I'm ready to play baseball on opening day in six months from I may never play again. <laughs> Zero to a hundred real quick. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. he, he uh, every time he runs down like the first baseline, he it looks like he's in grave pain. Every time like he exerts like mild effort on the infield, it just looks it looks painful. Like I feel like my body is hurting just watching him. So hopefully he is not injured but like i still think you can extract a decent offensive bat if things are okay health-wise but right now it's not looking good i think zoo Lin is better than people give him credit for so i'm on the zoo Lin camp so now Lin sanity 2.0 yes Lin sanity like 2.0 <laughs> that was clever that was, I, I don't did you get that from someone or did you just make that up yourself I'm just that clever. That was clever. Wow. Okay. Uh, I've heard the tsunami. That's a pretty good one. Like the tsunami. Yeah, that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we could definitely play around with this. We can have fun with this. Yeah, if no one's on it yet, we'll make that our uh, ha- uh, we'll make that our hashtag Linsanity 2.0. <laughs> that will be our hashtag. Um, so we're gonna get into the last topic now before we leave the listeners with our voices. Um, 
So basically, Boston's had a pretty up and down week. They took two of three from Toronto and then surrendered two of three to Tampa Bay. Um, it's it's been a mixed bag, a three and three. Um, certainly, with the Red Sox fan standards, this was unacceptable. Five hundred ball in a week. Um, so, what do you guys think of this? relatively rough start or relatively rough week from the Red Sox. Should we be concerned? I'll start with you, Jordan, this time. Um, I mean, no, we shouldn't be concerned. Uh, I know, like, I know the Red Sox standards. It's like when now and then like, oh, we like be a perfect team. But given how the beginning of the month and the beginning of the season went, um, I think this, this stretch of baseball is going to happen. Um, uh, and I think that, um, that like it's like it's it's a long season. Like you're gonna go through some peaks and valleys, but yeah, you got like the stretch of baseball has been suspect at best. And um, I mean, we we have to get it. We have to get it together. Get, sorry, get it together um, at some point because the Yankees are are like right behind us. And if I mean, if we if we can't get our game together, the Yankees are gonna like take over take over the division, and no one wants that. So. I mean, it's, this is going to happen, but, like, you know, we got to clean it up a little bit. Definitely. Yankees are right on our ass. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking about this rough week? Well, I think there's an obvious answer, and it's the only one to do, and that's to fire Cora, trade Mookie, trade Sale, trade everyone on the 40-man roster and just build over from scratch and try to be try to win it in 2025 because yeah. obviously going 3 and 3 in April just means there is no hope for yeah. any roster. Are you keeping so, Sandy Leone in this uh, scenario or is he is he gone well, too? Well, I mean, some things are untouchable, Patrick. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a ridiculous question. Um, yeah. No, but in all in all seriousness though, it's it's a 162 game season. The Red Sox weren't going to score 14 runs every game like they did against uh, the Angels. The, the, we kind of had this coming for a little bit. We were, what was it, 17-2 and two at our best? That's just an unsustainable pace. So, um, yeah, it sucks that we went. Uh, we lost the series against the freaking Rays of all teams, but um, we've got a good chance to rebound next, uh, next series against the Royals, and... The Yankees are getting hot, but they started out a lot slower than they should have. Honestly, from a pure just baseball fan standpoint, I cannot wait to see how this division race shapes up. Like, I'd love the Yankees to be a 40-win team that finishes dead last, but in reality, that's not going to happen. We do need every game is going to matter, so these cold stretches do suck a lot, but you really that you just have to take that. I can't think of a single team that's gone a whole 162 game season without having at least one or two cold stretches thrown in there yeah uh it's ebbs and flows every team goes through them i feel like people are getting too hung up over like a day of results or even a week of results uh red sox still have 20 wins as dave and i we talked about before the show this was probably the first team to win 20 games don't know what time the diamondbacks were playing but or even if they finished their game but yeah Red Sox, 20 wins. They're leading the majors. That's wonderful. They've got off to a good start. It's been a great April. And we have a great shot to bounce back against Kansas City. In terms of the, you said something about you'd want the Yankees to win 40 games, and like I'm in that camp too, but I want the Red Sox and Yankees to go mano a mano the whole year. I want it to be a dogfight. It's good for baseball. It's good for my own happiness. I want to see it go. It's fun to watch. And, you know, I'm not rooting, actively rooting for the Yankees, obviously, but I 
I want it to be competitive. Like I, I like it. Uh, we got a series. Uh, the Red Sox have a series against the Yankees. I think it's May eighth through the tenth. So that's not this week, but that will be the week after. So look forward to that. Uh, Dave, you, Dave and Jordan, you got any departing thoughts? I'll start with you, Jordan. You know what? Uh, like like I said, it's kind of hard to um, to kind of shit on the Red Sox right now because even though we're like we just came off a uh, a series loss, we do have the best best uh, record in baseball, and things are still looking up. Um, we're just going through a cold stretch right now. We're gonna get together. Yes, yes. What about you, Dave? <laughs> um, yeah, basically, I'm in the same boat. Keep calm and carry on. Go Red Sox, and if we get swept by the Royals, then we can panic. Yes. There you go. Yes, that, that, that'll that be panic time. That That's when your fires, that's when your <laughs> aforementioned fire sale yeah. happens, yeah. That's when Core has to look behind them. Yeah. Like, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm going to leave, was the quote by Alex Cora, stay humble, stay hungry, or was it stay hungry, stay humble? Did I think you? it was hungry, humble. Hungry, humble? All right. So it was like no, no striking out too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't strike right. out. Swing at the first pitch. <laughs> something like that. But it's been a great episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. I want to thank Dave and Jordan for coming on today. And I just want to remind all of you guys to stay hungry and stay humble. Have a great one, guys.